0: Hey, y'all, thank you for joining us for another Equip Podcast. Uh, we're so excited that you're here, that you've been tuning in. And uh, thank you to those that have been with us, maybe even from the beginning of the journey. This is going to be a different episode. Typically, we have, like uh, guess, a lot more voices up here. But I have asked Pastor to share something really specific that I think is going to just, um, I think, really help a lot of different people, to be honest. I think that there's a lot of different people in this um, not just this year, not this just just this generation, but especially in the times that we're in, I don't think this is going to be like, I don't think that this is ever going to go away. I think we're just in a day where people are just facing what feels like defeat mm-hmm. more than ever. And um, you had just shared recently an amazing leadership talk with We Are One College and all of our college students here uh, on campus at Gateway that are learning hands-on ministry with us. And, um, you talked about the, essentially this concept of, I think you said it along the lines of soak in the moments of victory because defeat is going to be around the corner. I think a Mm -hmm. lot of people perceive life as just this ups and downs, victory and defeat. Um, so for those that are listening, Mm -hmm. if you want to set this up a little bit, I think your, your, your talk was called victory or defeat, which will you choose? Mm Mm-hmm. How would you take somebody through a journey? How do you choose victory when it feels like just some things in life? Just there's highs and lows. Or there's defeat.
1: Yeah. Well, real quick, remember when we started off chapel, I said, okay, everybody getting a victory <laughs> yeah,
0: stance. Yeah, everybody lift their hands.
1: Yeah, everybody lift their hands. And then now everybody getting a defeat stance. Yeah. And right away, there was no smile. They They were hunched over in a defeat stance. Yeah. And I said, you know, which way do you want to live—in victory or defeat? And of course, we always choose victory. But uh, for ministry people that are ministry or people that are in leadership, uh, the defeats are going to come more than victories.
0: Why is that? You think?
1: Um, well, first of all, when you're really doing God's work, it's true. Uh, when you're either a full-time pastor or just leader within the church, and you're doing what the Scripture tells us to do. Um, The devil's the real devil. He has his demons uh, out to get us at every turn. Yeah. And he loves to bring offenses. He loves to divide. And unfortunately, there's more situations that he does divide. And uh, that is shown throughout the scriptures. That's shown throughout while the prophets had to come against individuals constantly. Uh, individuals, I should say, came against them. Uh, Moses, he had constantly people coming against him. They All they did is grumbled. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine having a congregation that all they did is grumble, grumble, yeah. grumble, grumble? Nobody
0: ain't lifting their hands. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And Moses, you never read that Moses after two and a half years left.
0: Yeah, which is He's, typical for senior pastors. Which
1: is typical for senior pastors. And honestly, it's typical for people within a church. They only stay three or four years anymore and they leave.
0: Would you would you say like, um, not just as like a pastor, but as a leader, it's almost like the more ground you take, it feels like the less ground you're taking. Almost like the more victories you're having, does it feel like it's even you know it's a victory, but it feels like defeat? Sure. How would how would you describe that maybe for leaders that they're in that, that's how they feel right now, mm-hmm. or maybe that's where they're headed in the next trajectory of the life sure. know, in the future?
1: All I can say is when you are gaining ground and you have those moments of victory, um, you have to be, you have to know. Um, God so well. You have to know yourself so well. You have to have that connectivity with the Spirit so well Um, that that ground that you're gaining you know uh, Satan's going to try to gain that ground back.
0: He's like you think you got to get in front. You got to think yeah. ahead.
1: And you have to think ahead. You have to know the more ground you take the enemy is going to be there at every turn to do, bring defeat, mm-hmm. and you you have to really stay in that victory stance. And I've learned to stay in prayer, strong, but then also I've learned to confront the enemy strong, not just through prayer, but through like uh, when the angel of the Lord came to Joshua in chapter ten and said. Stop praying.
0: Yeah, go do something.
1: Go do something about it. Yeah. And so there has to be a constant balance of that. Uh, If there isn't, uh, I will find myself in a corner in a defeat uh, pose and just starting to speak defeat to
0: myself. Have you found yourself there?
1: Yeah, uh, early on in my ministries. um, Early on... um, Just, uh, you know, and I guess even on the teaching with Elijah, I learned through the process early on in my ministry how to avoid staying in the defeat mode and how to have victory even when you feel defeated. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely went through that. But as I went through that, thank the Lord God showed me the different... uh, ways how to stay out of that
0: I, I, I want to talk about this idea of um, staying in victory even when facing defeat a question that kind of just came up inside of me I want to bring to you though is I think there are blatant attacks of the enemy I think mm-hmm. there is discouragement there's he tries to throw depression on us I think he really does but have you felt also maybe for somebody listening if you could speak from your experience just as a leader just the pressure in general of being the one in charge. You know, you feel like employees' paychecks count on you. You feel like going forward in vision counts on you. You feel like you don't want to let anybody down. And like, obviously, we can never fulfill that because we're not God. We're always going to let somebody down. And people even feel like God, you know, let them down. But do you feel like even the pressure in general um, can get you to that place where you feel defeated or you feel like you've lost ground? Or I remember you shared with me when you were even... um, a staff pastor before you were like leading an entire organization or leading a church. Um, You'd find yourself once a month in the bathroom just crying because of Mm -hmm. the pressure. What would you maybe say to some people right now that are just trying to deal with the pressure of leadership, the pressure of having people under them, the pressure of trying to fulfill the mission, the pressure of, um, you know, people bring a lot of pressure. Um, Maybe take what you learned and bring this into Elijah of maybe how he did it right or well. How did you deal with the pressure? how did you go from the guy crying in the bathroom once a month to even now how do you deal with the pressure
1: yeah number one um uh, you know i just learned through the story of elijah maybe if we can start there yeah i just learned through the story of elijah that you know here elijah we all know the story of mount carmel okay he had uh, an incredible victory and i mean he took on all those Baal worshipers, hundreds and hundreds of Baal worshipers. and they—I mean—he had a victory. It was a faith moment. It was a victory moment. He got real cocky. He—he—he just—he even said uh, in some versions uh, that you read, uh, "What is your—you uh, know, God on the toilet?" You know, yeah, like I mean,
0: message is like calling, call them the prophets out pretty hard. Yeah, call them out really hard. He felt it. He was feeling it.
1: Yeah. And then we read that immediately came the defeat. Jezebel comes against him. And in fact, in the scripture here, it it says that when Jezebel came against him in 1 Kings 19.3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Mm. I remember being in that ministry moment, that leadership moment. Um, everything was going great. I mean, we had the victory poses. We um, Altars were full. Uh, I mean, it just, everything was in a victory stance to just go forward, had great vision for the church and so on. And then all of a sudden, the Jezebel spirit came mm. against me.
0: Practically, what did that look like for people? Like, maybe mm. it might not be the same for them. But when you say a Jezebel spirit, we know that there's spiritual warfare taking place. There's things beyond what we can see. Mm. But what does that look like? How did it manifest itself? Like in the physical? Like was it literal people? Was it a feeling that you had? Like what? What did you begin to face?
1: Well, in our situation, um, a person decided to take things upon themselves. We were a smaller church. Um,
0: How long ago was this? This
1: was 24 years ago. Okay. And we were a lot smaller church. Uh, We only had, maybe when I came here, we were almost 200. And then that first year,
0: 125
1: people left. You're doing a good job. I was doing a great, great (laughs) job. So many people left. But um, probably at the end of that year, this individual decided to write this letter, sent it to, you know, we're only in a little town of 3,400 people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sent it out to many people, sent it out church-wide. And we have voted in the wrong guy. Um, And one thing I've always learned, and and if there's any pastors that are listening right now, any leaders that can support their pastors, Mm -hmm. one thing I've always learned, the number one thing that people with that Jezebel spirit will come against normally is the preaching of the Word. Hmm. Is your style, is your illustrations, is just the preaching of the word, how you preach the word. Satan wants to bring intimidation to the preacher because he hates the word of God. And we all have different styles. And so my style came in the form of illustrations, and um, basically, they didn't, you know, some people didn't like that yeah. because the previous guy before me, wasn't like that, and so, um, so yeah, uh, we voted in the wrong guy. Uh, let's boycott October fourth, and um, let's and then come back and let's see what God's going to do through us.
0: You know what I think is difficult too. Um, it was for you, and I think this can resonate with people. You were what thirty seven.
1: I was thirty seven. Yeah,
0: thirty seven, and you're stepping from this staff pastor role you're a leader, but you're not the leader. Mm -hmm. And I think like every single one of us, maybe every person listening here in some way, you're probably drawn to even listen to this because you know you're a leader, but it really depends like in terms of leadership, how much relies on you. It almost feels like the more people underneath you, the more that's stacked on you because there's all the weight, pressures, responsibilities that they have that's also on you. So you're 37, stepping from having like leadership to now becoming the leader and, um. I think something that could resonate with some people that I know of your story maybe how could you speak to this is what made it so difficult with people coming against you is not wondering whether or not they were right about you preaching God's word but with how you were doing it I think you were trying to figure out who am I right it's like is this my style am I doing the right thing you you know you grew up in a church let's even say practically where they wore suits. And you were just like, man, this is not what I wanna do. I'm trying to figure out myself. I wanna wear jeans and dress more down like this and be kind of a little more natural. But would you say that posed a problem that simultaneously you're trying to figure out who you are and they're trying to speak against who you are and you're trying to figure out who am I? Like, how does this work?
1: Yeah, it was all that. Um, I was definitely trying to, at that point, um, the Jezebel spirit was so strong it was trying to intimidate me. Okay. It was trying to tell me um, who I was instead of allowing God to tell me who I was. Yeah. And I finally, number one, just really had to take my stand. Okay. I had to take my stand against that spirit yeah. that was coming against me. And um I just had to take that stand in victory, even though it seemed so much de
0: feet was coming at me. So was that difficult for you, though? You're trying to simultaneously figure yourself out. Like, what is my leadership style? Like, how do I present myself? Are people going to receive who I am? Who am I? You know, like, I think as leaders, we're constantly trying to figure out all of these things, right? We know who God's made us, but at the same time, it's like, how do I do all this? Was that difficult simultaneously feeling that and then also feeling the intimidation that people were throwing at you? What do you do? What would you tell somebody? What did you do? What should somebody do in the midst of that where you know you've been called by God to do something, but then people are opposing it and you're still fresh in your skin trying to fill it out. What do you do?
1: Well, I, I was faced with that. I was faced with all the intimidation that was coming at me. I was struggling with really trying to find myself. And because of that Jezebel spirit that was literally almost believable, I almost started to believe it. Um, what was said in the letter, um, attacking the preaching style. Uh, I started to want to believe it. Yeah. And um, I remember uh, during that, right before that boycott Sunday was approaching, I remember uh, being in a bathroom, looking at the mirror at myself and talking to the Lord. And saying, Lord, you have called me here, and I'm going to stand my ground. Mm. I am not all that. I'm not a great preacher. I'm not a this. I'm not that. But one thing I know, I'm called. It's good. And so, uh, and I learned how to stand my ground. Um, I didn't want to become Elijah. Elijah... What did he do? He was afraid and he ran for his life. Yeah, a lot of pastors just run. Yeah, you know that's why the statistics are terrible, why so many pastors are leaving the pastorate, so many leaders are leading, uh, leaving churches, so many people are go- jumping from one church to another church to another church. Yeah, and I didn't want to be that statistic. I I wanted to stand my ground. I wanted. God to literally show up in this small, small little town that was. I wanted God to do the impossible. Yeah, but I knew I had to be that instrument for God to use. So I just learned how to stand my ground. It's good, and I learned how to, um, uh, and it, and it wasn't a prideful stand my ground right. type of a thing. It was just I'll never forget. Uh, at the boycott Sunday, I was shaking in my boots. <laughs> we had a packed out house.
0: So the, the reversal happened that yeah. they were aiming for. Yeah,
1: probably half people showed up for a fight. The other half showed up for entertainment. Hey, and they, they
0: showed up though. But they showed <laughs> up. A good show.
1: So I remember taking that opportunity and I just preached the word. It's awesome. And I preached the word. Um, but I knew there was going to be a falling out after that. I knew that there was going to be still a lot of people leaving, still a lot of people disagreement. I mean, yeah, so on. But I just knew I had to stand my ground. It's good, and I even took a vote uh, among the little leadership I had inherited at that time—the deacons and elders—and mm-hmm. I even took a vote among them. And um, uh, through that, I just started to realize that um, not only did I have to stand my ground, the second thing that Elijah struggled with mm-hmm. was he, if you read in that chapter, he ran into the wilderness, he even ran away from his servant. Uh, worst thing Elijah could have done. Um, did you ever
0: find yourself doing that?
1: I, oh yeah, I wanted to run get away from everybody
0: why you can't Um, you can't trust anybody well I felt like a failure okay
1: I felt like um, I was a disappointment Um, very insecure extremely insecure Um, the intimidation was over the top um, of the spirit that wants to come against but one thing I learned as I stood my ground I knew when you feel so much darkness, and always understand this, when you feel so much darkness coming against you that you feel that darkness, they want you gone. That's when you know you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And that's when you know you're in the right place.
0: So it's it's complete reverse psychology. Yeah. If it feels bad, it probably actually is good. Right. <laughs> like well, and that's form.
1: where I started to learn through the defeat how to stand in victory. Hmm. And when the defeat is so severe, when you can almost taste it, that's when you know you're in the right place. Hmm. Uh, there literally has been times where, uh, through this 24 years, uh, say about 15 years ago, 12 years ago, I wasn't feeling the defeat. I mean, there was few years. Yeah, It was almost like it was going too good. Yeah that I used to say to my wife, I'm like, uh, maybe I'm not doing a good enough job because I'm not feeling any defeat. Hmm. I'm not feeling the darkness come against. And so I've just learned in that beginning moment uh, to stand my ground, mm-hmm. even through the defeat, because the thicker the defeat, the, the uh, better understanding you have that
0: yeah. God
1: wants you there. You're that you're that man, and you're or that woman,
0: something, or that position. Something that you said earlier that really hit me. You said, "I'm not the best this or that." Or you looked in the mirror. You said, "But I know I'm called." Mm-hmm. And I think I think there's could be even some people listening right now that maybe they're a part of an organization, they're on a staff at a team, and they thought they could. They just think, "Man, if I was just the leader, if I was just in charge." <laughs> and it's almost like what happens is people in pride want to go and become in a position. That if that's not what you were called to, when this kind of stuff happens, you're not gonna be able to stand your ground. Right. So I think something you realize was listen, I'm gonna stand my ground because I know I'm called. Yeah. And I think that's really where it's what it starts with is like when you know you're called to something, then you can say, I will not give up on this. It does not matter what comes against me, it does not matter, mm-hmm. you know, highs or lows. Cause something that I think is interesting, uh that's in a conversation we even had before this recording was you had said, isn't it so interesting when this letter went out in the same way that Jezebel went against Elijah, it was just words. Mm -hmm. Isn't it so powerful though, even though it's not somebody like punching you in the face or something physical, it's just words. Words can get you on the run. Words can make you want to give up. Words can bring defeat. Mm -hmm. Like the power of, of, of words and so much more you're saying here I had to turn to prayer and God's I had to turn to God's word because words become so powerful so God's word has become powerful mm-hmm. and when we were talking um, recently and I think it was even something you brought out with the Weird One College students is Isaiah, uh, Elijah I should say he went on the run and he did the opposite of what you're supposed to do right, right. and here you are. you are you're taking a vote with leadership and really what you're trying to figure out is Who's for me? Right. Now, the second thing I remember that you had um, taught us was, I believe you said, you have to build up the right team around you. Right. Because Elijah did the complete opposite. He left his team and he ran. So uh, was it his servant, right? He said, hey, you stay here. I'm going to go in the desert, which was like the opposite of what you're supposed to do. Probably the
1: worst place to go. So
0: did you do that? How did you come back from that? How did you build up a team? Where did you go from there to... Build up the right team around you, because Elijah didn't do that.
1: Well, right away, um, you know, you sort of you sort of deal with what you're dealt at right. the time. Okay. And so I inherited this, call it deacon team, trustees. Okay. I inherited this elder director team, and I didn't have a choice in the matter. So, but I knew I had to find out who was for me, who was against me. And so that's when God told me to get the, there was 10 or 12 of them. God told me to get them together. And I just said, I would just want to vote right now. Um, And I want you to be man enough to give me a verbal vote around this table. And I looked to Larry Lloyd. He was to my left. And I said, Larry, you can start. And it was yes, 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 yes. And then there was two no's. Hmm. And so right away, God started showing me to to do this, to show me who was for me and who was against me. And so immediately, uh, those two, long story short, those two that were against me, um, I just uh, asked them uh, very politely um, that if you're not for me, would you leave? (laughs) Yeah, In so many words. And they finally, uh, they left. Uh, and long story short, they left. And so I worked with those that were for me. Uh, I worked with those, and I honestly, I didn't even really know them very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just had to work with what I was dealt. Yeah. But I had to get the ones that were positive. Yeah. And so they were very, very positive. They were for me. Um, I started to build that team very strongly. And uh, started to share my vision, share why God has called me. And then through the months and through the years, um, uh, it was just really amazing working with them. Yeah. But the number one thing that is, I don't care if you just, you're dealt one leader or two or three, it doesn't really matter. You got to figure out who's with you. Yeah. If all of them are against you, then. Clear them all out. And if it's just your wife or your husband that's for you, then you work with that.
0: Are some of those leaders still with you today?
1: No, unfortunately. um, uh, I don't recommend. One thing I don't recommend is um, I know this is going to be really difficult, but what I wish I would have done, these that I inherited it from the previous leadership. I wish that after um, maybe three years, I wish I just would have cleaned the slate. Because honestly, probably only 50% of them are with me today. Okay. And uh, there's something to be said about building up your own leadership. Okay. But again, it, it worked for a while. And, uh, and then uh, the 50% that finally left, They didn't leave bad. They eventually just left with the blessing of the Lord. Uh, And that's okay. That's okay. But in that midst of that, you got to learn when that struggle gets so thick and that darkness, that Jezebel spirit's coming against you so strong. Mm -hmm. Don't run to the desert. Yeah. It's the worst thing you could do.
0: You need a team around
1: you. You need a team. If it's one, two, three, And the dog, whatever it takes, you need a team. So like,
0: I think a lot of leaders of organizations, pastors of teams, whatever. I think even a lot of pastors we talk to, they're like, I don't have any qualified people. I don't have any people that know skills and stuff like that. Would you say that rather than starting with, um, rather than starting with somebody that's qualified, you would start with someone that's called? Would you Mm -hmm. say like, just the simplicity of saying, they're called to this church. They're called to God. They're called to me. They're willing to work hard. They might not have the skill, but I know that they're for me. Would you, in your experience, you're saying, I'll take that every day of the week than somebody who's just good at something. Because was there people that were good at things that left that just weren't for you?
1: Oh, totally. Uh, most of the ones that left um, were probably too qualified. Okay. And, um, you know. Uh, I'll And it, just, get, it starts getting up here. Sure. And that's all I'll say, but it, it. It messed with them. Yeah. Uh there was one individual that came to me that first year, two years I was there, and they said, Pastor, I want you to understand I'm called to this church. If you leave, I'm gonna still be here.
0: Hmm.
1: For the next guy, for the next guy, for the next person, doesn't matter. I'm called to this church. That was somebody I wanna Are work they still with. here? They're still here. Wow. They're still highly in my leadership. Wow. And they're probably so committed first, though, to God, yeah, to his church, and then they're committed to the leader. So
0: qualification can come, like people can get trained, yeah. people can learn skills, sure. people can be used, but it has to start with like, are they going to be the people that I want around me yeah. so I'm not in the desert like Elijah all alone? Because when you start getting in the desert, you start thinking stupid when you're alone. right? Like, how did you deal with this? Like, how did you talk to God during this time? How did, like... How did you process with people? How did you process your thoughts? Like, what was coming out of your mouth? Were you speaking positive? Were you speaking negative? Like, like I even look at Elijah when he was out in the desert. He started talking kind of dumb. Like, how did how did you deal with all that?
1: Yeah, uh, we see that. Um, in fact, my third my third thing I talked about to the um, We Are One college students was don't talk stupid, uh-huh. basically something like that. Just Don't have stupid talk.
0: Yeah,
1: Uh, because we get really talking stupid. Mm -hmm. Elijah, he goes out in the desert, and the Bible says that he prayed. But that sounds good. But as soon as the Bible says he prayed, and he what he prayed was take my life, that was just talking stupid. Yeah, and you notice that God never answered him. Hmm. God just sent an angel. and fed him because he was exhausted. He was tired and he was hungry. So God can't really talk through our stupid emotions. And so I started to, there was times I was talking stupid to God.
0: So sometimes him not talking is a great response rather than him just, it's like, God, I need to hear you. Sometimes not hearing him is just as good of a response. Exactly.
1: And uh, so what I did is I just knew I needed to get the right people around me, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: build that team, and then just preach the word. I literally had a Jezebel come to me um, my first year here and say, stop giving altar calls. Mm. Everybody is saved here. Stop giving altar calls. And I looked at that individual and I said, I want you to know I'm called like Jesus was, he was. He came to the earth to seek and save the lost. Yeah. I said that is my number one priority, to see the lost saved through Jesus Christ. And so two things, because through that time, I really had a hard time listening mm-hmm. to God. The emotions just fly. I mean, they just go. Other
0: po- people's voices were louder than oh, God's.
1: People's voices were so loud, they were almost drowning out god's voice in me but i felt his strength and i felt his
0: peace because you stood your ground because i stood (laughs) my ground
1: yeah i stood my ground and also i just uh, built up the team around me and i just preached god's word Hmm. i just kept going forward i forged ahead forged ahead forged
0: ahead did you ever talk like elijah Stupid talk. What's some, maybe some things that people could resonate with yeah. where you've talked stupid?
1: Well, not during that time. I went through a time about a yeah, f- few years after that. I went through a time when the church was strong, um, people getting saved, finances were strong. I mean, we even built the church physically, you know, the building. Our new building, uh, yeah. God was doing God gave us 54 acres, I mean, that we're on today, and there was victory after victory. But then all of a sudden, uh, uh, yeah, some leaders uh, got offended. And um, um, I found myself uh, in a very, very dark place. Um, I asked the Lord, like Elijah did during that time, uh, take me home. Hmm. Just take me home. I asked him three times. Within a month. I never thought of suicide, never thought of nothing like that. But within that month, I said, Lord, please just take me home.
0: Why? Is it because you didn't feel called anymore? Um, Is it because it was more than you you know you, bargained for? Like? At that
1: point, I was here quite a few years. Um, it, it came in the form of uh, some leaders got an offense. One eventually apologized, one never did. And um, they were close to me. I thought they were close to me. And it it really, um, it really affected me emotionally. Very, very deeply. Because you're
0: not invested in just like a program or just some projects, like ministries, people. We can't help it, we're invested in people.
1: Right, I'm a shepherd first. Um, I'm not here to be a celebrity. I'm not here to be, uh, try to just build a big church. Um, I'm a shepherd first, yeah. And we um, we can't forget that we have feelings, uh, we have emotions. Um, uh, my wife, uh, you know, was hurting during that time with me. And finally, uh, thank the Lord, I have three, I have three counselors that counsel uh, here at Gateway. And um, there was one counselor that was talking to me just sort of sharing some information or really something that they heard from God in a vision. And as they were talking to me, they noticed I was in depression. Hmm. And they looked to my admin real quick and they said, I want you to sign pastor up because he needs counseling.
0: Did that feel like an admission of defeat to need counseling? Or how did you feel? Um, I almost felt
1: relieved at that point that um, I could talk to somebody okay. about my emotions. Um, I was never, you know, never too proud to be transparent or yeah. admit maybe I did something wrong or whatever. I just need to talk. So anyway, yeah, I went to um, counseling with that um, individual. In fact, my wife and I went there together. And it was it really wasn't for... Uh, Tammy at all it was more for just me and uh, it was just so simple some of the things that this counselor started to ask me questions on and one question in particular she asked was if you were to ask God anything what would you say to the Lord and immediately out of my mouth I said why did you have to do it this way yeah why did you do it this way why didn't you do it that way? And then the counselor looked at me and said, isn't God perfect? And it was like blinders came off my eyes and I finally saw, yeah, God's perfect. Mm-hmm. He did it better than I could have done it. But when we're so caught up in the moment, this was Elijah's problem. He was so caught up in the emotional he was stressed. He was exhausted. He was hungry. Uh, he was afraid for his life. He was so caught up in the emotion yeah. that he could not see God. He couldn't hear God, and that—that that was my problem. I was so caught up in the moment. Um, I'll never forget. Uh, I I went home after that, and uh, we have a lot of. Um, there's a woods behind us. We don't own it, but there's a woods behind us. And so there was no, no houses near us. And I just started yelling and saying, God, you're perfect. You're perfect. You do all things right. And, it, and then the next day, uh, Tammy wasn't feeling good. My wife wasn't really feeling all that good. And uh, the next couple of days, we found out she had cancer. Mm-hmm. She had colon cancer. Um, but thank the Lord, yeah. I was strong at that point. I was so strong spiritually. Yeah. Thank the Lord that he guided my steps. The um, the blinders came off. Yeah. And I had that connection back with God. No longer did I want God to take my life. Yeah. I wanted God to restore. I wanted God to strengthen me for Tammy.
0: Because if you had walked into that next season now, mm. feeling what you had just felt, being in the state that you're in, you wouldn't yeah, have made it through
1: totally. And I mean, I started going before the altar of God. I started praying for Tammy. I started just literally fighting the devil over that cancer. And within a month, she was cancer-free. Wow! And I mean, God showed up. And so, God, um in our journey, in our as leaders as pastors, you know, the journey that sometimes we think He doesn't. He's not doing it right. Yeah. He's always doing it right. But there's victory in defeat constantly. Yeah. If we just know how to well, it's walk Well, like, it
0: right. it's like you just said, you just get this victory of just like, God's perfect. And then it, what could appear now the next day as defeat is Tammy has cancer. So you had to make a choice, right? right? This is still victory, even in the midst of defeat. God is good. God is perfect. God's going to take care of things and do it right. But I think the three things you taught us here. What God's asking us to do, though, He's going to take care of it all. But He's asking us to stand our ground, mm-hmm. build up the right team around us, and the third thing is, don't talk stupid. I got this taken care of. Right. Bless my name. Tell me I'm good and perfect. Worship me. Bring your need to me. But I'm going to take I'm going to take care of you. Is there anything that you would just leave anybody? Those three things I think are so powerful. But anything else that's on your heart, you would just leave a leader, a pastor, maybe somebody that's really struggling, somebody that has even really their feet haven't even left the ground yet with ministry, but they feel called or anything you would leave to say, this is, from what I've walked through, What one last thing I'd leave you being a leader.
1: Oh, there's so many things. Um, probably the number one thing that God brings to my attention right now. Um, we just got done doing an equip uh, conference. Conference, yeah. And I even hate calling it a conference. Um, but I like almost... We should almost I like to call it equip get together. Yeah. but um, it's only limited to 10 couples. and so we only invited 10 couples. They some of them we invited from Tennessee, from Ohio, Michigan, so on. And it's inv- by invitation only and it's a it is two days fully packed of just equipping them. Uh, having those intimate moments that they can ask the tough questions. Yeah, a what one, it's one on one with me and my team and a few other senior pastors that come alongside me. Um, the 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 reason why I have put this together and God laid this on my heart is because when you're in a small church situation. Um, especially when I was in that small church situation, I felt so alone. Mm -hmm. I felt so alone. Um, I don't want any leader or any, especially any pastor to ever feel alone. And I even would like to say, call us, call me. Uh, Write in the comments, Um, go to our website, email me. I'll call you back. We can Zoom together. I never want that individual to be in a in a lone state. I know what that feels like. I know what that feels like. You know, having a larger church. I know what that feels like. Yeah, but it's not like it was when I was a small church pastor. Yeah, in a small little town, with you feel like everybody's against you. You feel like um, you know you have no money. You have nothing. No staff. Nothing. So that's why we do the uh, Equip uh, conference. Yeah. That's why we do this Equip podcast. Yeah. Um, I never want a pastor, pastor, him and his wife, um, a leader that's trying to make a difference for the kingdom of God to feel alone. Don't feel alone. I can't tell you enough. Uh, I I just got done saying this to one of the pastors that came to the Equip Conference, I said, I can't tell you enough. Here's my number. Here's my email. Call us. Call me. And he said, he literally looked at me and said, I know you're saying that, but I still feel like I'm bothering you. I still feel like I can't call you. Well, that's the devil. The devil wants us to feel alone. The devil wanted Elijah to feel all alone but God showed up. It's good. And we need to be there for each other. That's and good. so don't feel alone.
0: That's so good. Don't feel alone. I think it's a simple encouragement um, for people listening right now, but I think the power of the body of Christ is that we're never supposed to be alone. And uh, I know that there was key people you called on your beginning years that without them, you would have never made it to this point. And I would just say that to people listening right now. Uh, whether you want to put it in the comments, like Pastor just said, go to our website, gwfamily.com. You can even even check us out there slash equip to get a hold of us and and be a part of this. We hope this blessed you. It blessed me. I love these moments just to have conversations like this.
1: I would even say if anybody that's listening would like to come to our equip conference yeah. next year. That's great. Please um call us or any Uh, Email us. Yeah, go to our website. Because we're we're open. We want to invite people to this. But it's only limited to 10 couples. Yeah. And so, yeah.
0: That's because we want to be very intentional about equipping and encouraging them. And we're not looking to make this some mega thing. We're looking to be intentional because you were in a space and a place where you felt alone and you needed to just be reminded by some people, as we are doing now, Mm -hmm. And not to just have this big public message to the masses, but be very intimate and intentional with people to remind you very simply today, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, you are not alone. I hope that this blessed you. Um, if it did, would you uh, maybe uh, like it? Would you share it? Would you send it some to some people? And um, would you also in the comments, if you have any questions, some things that you would love to have us talk about here, some future episodes, would you put it in the comments and uh and as pastor said here would you even reach out to us we just want you to know you're not alone we want to be able to do this life this journey with you we believe that you're called we believe that god has a purpose for your life we hope that this equipped you in a powerful way pastor this was killer thanks for taking the time i love you buddy love y'all